Snyder v. Phelps does not present a case of intrusion, captive audience, or private speech. It is a case of public speech in public places, peacefully and lawfully uttered, and punishment of that speech based on viewpoint. The verdict was invalid and cannot stand. When Westboro entered the public debate about the war and dying soldiers, her members were circumspect, staying well within the bounds of protected expressive activity. Seven members stood over a thousand feet from the church on public property where police directed them, obeying all laws and police orders, out of sight and sound of all funeral goers, at the southwest tip of a large multi-block complex, nowhere near a main entrance. With a large hill, several buildings, and many others with signs and flags between them and the funeral goers. They picketed quietly for 40 minutes and left when the funeral started. Before the funeral, Mr. Snyder spoke to multiple media, giving detailed interviews about his son, his death, and his funeral. He expressed strong disagreement with the war and asked publicly, how many parents have to go through what me and my ex-wife are going through? What is it going to take for people to say enough? He also contacted and communicated with media in the immediate aftermath of the funeral about his son's life, death, and funeral. The funeral was very public. Detailed announcements ran in local papers, on the internet, and in the large Baltimore Sun. Besides the 1,200 who attended the funeral, before, during, and after, scores of people other than Westboro picketers stood immediately outside the church and on the procession's path engaged in expressive activity with a large bank of media in attendance throughout. The funeral was conducted with all of the planned pomp and ritual in every part and was described at trial as beautiful, moving, touching, and undisrupted. A month later, Westboro published a writing called an epic about the picket, addressing the question raised by the father, speaking to the details he had published about his son and how he was raised. He asked why parents were having this trauma. Westboro said, you divorced the boy's mother, which Christ said is adultery, and such sins as that are causing the soldier's deaths. Whether you agree or disagree with that viewpoint, Westboro spoke to the things Mr. Snyder spoke to, all as part of public discussion about the dying soldiers. The epic was posted on a passive website, not sent to Mr. Snyder or brought to his attention. He found it in his daily surfing for stories about his son. He saw that it was at GodHatesFags.com, but he chose to open and read it, then he shared it with his housemates, sisters, and daughters. There was no intrusion in this case. This tort requires some actual invasion into something private. Here, the subjective offense taken with words about public facts forms the basis for the claim of intrusion, nothing more. The elements of intrusion and offensiveness have been wrongly conflated, reducing this tort to mere disagreement with viewpoint. The court's decisions require close proximity that cannot be avoided to find a captive audience. Mr. Snyder did not see or hear the picketers. By legal definition, he was not a captive audience. Liability for outrage was also established only by viewpoint. It's not based on the act of expressive activity near or about a funeral. Many people did that. The speech is not false. The defamation claim failed. The Supreme Court said in Falwell that you can't use an inherently subjective standard to punish speech 
on public issues solely because of an alleged adverse emotional impact. This verdict violated that principle of law. Westboro's words are protected figurative expressions full of strong rhetoric because that's the nature of preaching. When you talk of God, his hate or love, or heaven and hell, those are not matters provable as true or false. The content, form, and context of this speech show it was public issue speech full of religious and doctrinal viewpoints with a motive of persuading people to obey God's commandments. Letting this verdict stand would imperil every publisher in the land, especially the TV and radio provocateurs, lest they dare say a word at any time, any place, or in any manner that is interpreted by any person who might be mourning as intrusive into their psyche or outrageous. That would chill an enormous amount of speech on vital public issues, which is anathema to the First Amendment.